0: Kia ora, ano I'm Julian Wilcox, and welcome back to Indigenous One Hundred, the podcast series where we interview one hundred of the most inspiring Indigenous thought leaders from around the world. But before we get into today's guest, we have to meet the Tamang Paho who have funded the series of Indigenous One Hundred. No rei re, pāho. Tēnā te Paho, Thank you again for your support of the podcast, and of course, all of our Indigenous content. Today's episode is another very special one indeed. He Tohunga Whakairo, a master carver who gave up to 55 years of commitment and service to the New Zealand Māori Arts and Crafts Institute. He was a part of the first carving school intake in 1967, one of seven in that intake, and someone who had never carved anything in their life before they went in to the Arts and Crafts Institute. Now, as I say, a Tohunga Whakaero, revered and acknowledged and recognized throughout Aotearoa, and his work has also made it to the world. Today's guest is Tohunga Whakaero, James Te akupe Ricard. He is our guest today on Indigenous 100. <laughs> James ah, koe. Welcome to Indigenous One Hundred. It's great to have you with us. Namahi Thank you for joining us. Or should I call you Akupe?
1: Only in the Hawaui.
0: Being from Hokianga, I can get away with it. How did you, Where's that name from, te Um Cape Jackson. Ah. the South
1: Island. Ah. my uh, great grandfather's breed.
0: Oh, so that is your name, Tāunuiakupe. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. That's my Māori name, but my old man used to work in the post office and he used to register us under his, uh, the Parker names. So I'm named after my old man, oh. James Edwin Lancelot. James Edwin Lancelot. <laughs> oh, wow. When my grandmother found out, she took me down to the creek. <laughs> oh. yeah. So that's how I got it. Yeah.
0: Where are the Ricards from, James?
1: Ireland. Ah. Originally. Yeah. My grandfather's from there. And partly from England, partly from France.
0: Do you know whereabouts in Ireland? The Pelans? Yep, no, you've lost me. The oh, yeah. <laughs> so Michael Pellin and the Farno. Oh the oh the the, the Palin whanau. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're your relations? Yeah. Oh, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah.
0: See the Wilcoxes are Irish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> probably the same village. <laughs> yeah, Wilcox Cassidy's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We're probably related on the podcast. Yeah, side. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a hard case. See, yeah. hey? that's a funny thought. I haven't had that
1: before. But I, you know, I always um all my blood is mixed. Even <laughs> on my uh, dad's side, you know, the lemas and the manuals. I mean, they came from all over the place to find a new place to live. Yeah. So it was like we had uh, a nomadic um, nomadic life, really. Yeah. And then the Maryland courts came along and just put us in one place. Kind of. That's what the old lady was fighting about.
0: Yeah. But a beautiful place to be raised.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. No doubt.
0: Yep. Lots of history. Yep. Lots of culture. Yep. How foundational was that in terms of what you ended up doing with your life? Do you think? Well,
1: all I remember is being a hotote. I <laughs> oh, like orchids, you know. Yeah, you get a slap and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. that and really? we used to, well, we used to milk cows. We used to uh, work in the gardens during the summer. I mean, it wasn't like there was playtime, but we always had the moana we go go and have a swim any time. But in there lies the danger too. You hop in the wrong place and you get drowned. So you learn how to survive back in the day. And, you know, the 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 pa brought up the, everyone's children, you know. It wasn't just uh, your mum and dad. It was everyone. If you stepped out of line, you got thus slap. Mm.
0: Were you really a hotutu?
1: Oh, <coughs> I'll tell you a story the old lady told me, <laughs> I was sent to school five years old and my older brother and sister, she instructed them to take me to my class. They bailed off the bus and I was left sit- uh, sitting in the bus, apparently, and the bus driver tried to get me off and I wouldn't, so he got the headmistress, she came along, and I didn't know who she was, she said get off the bus and I went, swore it. and he said oh do you know where you picked him up from? Yes took me back to the bus stop and lucky the old lady was talking to her auntie just down the road. Saw the bus, walked down and, what are you doing here? (laughs) I'd say, you you know, and when I look at two kids and I I think back to that time and I said, oh, yeah, I was one of those, you know.
0: (laughs) And And just just so we're very clear, by the old lady you are referring to, My mum. Yeah. Who is? (laughs) Oh, Iwa Ricard. Yes, to Iwa Ricard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that um, given all that your mother did for Teo Māori Mm -hmm. and her commitment to her community, what do you make of that now so many years later?
1: You know, I became a Kaaba because she made me be a Kaaba. Really? Yep. I wanted to be a pilot. He got me to sign these papers. The next minute I'm heading to Rotorua.
0: Why did she do that?
1: That's a long story. <laughs> so when I was growing up, uh, right through till I was about six, mai ngā kehua, you know, and it was constant. So they sent me down to the East Coast to be with my other nan. And about four years into that, Takehua from the hauauru came down. And then one of my uncles said, "Oh well, he needs to go home." So I think uh, part of her um, her decision was that the care who has spent most of my early life, I've been chased around by care So she sent me to the school so I could chase them around. If that makes sense.
0: There'll be a non-Māori audience watching this. Oh, okay. And they might not necessarily understand or have a, uh, an appreciation of what we mean when we talk yeah. in the way that we talk about kehua. So what do we mean by that? Uh,
1: well, in uh, Pākei terms, I guess, ghost, apparitions, you name it. But all I could see was images, but I could hear their thoughts Wow! constantly. And so I used to get looked after by my aunties when I got sick. And I kind of thought about it for a while. And I thought after all this time, every time it happened, it was like they uh, were trying to grab my wairua and I got really sick. You know, for about a couple of days, i just sleep. Come right, be a to again. And then every couple of years it had
0: happened, but they weren't coming because you were being a how to do, right? No, so you, you weren't necessarily no. doing tutu things or things you should you shouldn't tutu. Well, the old lady figured
1: it out that um, uh, one night it was that bad. She got the doctor up to slow my heartbeat down, gave me an injection. The moment I got the injection, the phone rang, and your grand auntie had died. And she figured out that before they were dying, they were coming to tell someone that it was their time. And so I've been thinking about it all the time. And when I was down the coast, three of them turned up and it was my grand uncle, two of my uncles, one after the other, within about a month. Yeah. So we kind of, you kind of put it together afterwards, you know, when you think about it, how things roll out. So that's why I ended up being a carver. If they're going to chase me in my childhood, I'll chase them in my adulthood.
0: (laughs) Um, Um, Because in a lot of our communities, people see that as a very special gift. Uh, Well, I think everyone
1: can see that other side through different means, I guess. You know, I think human beings have an instinct and they all have an instinct. Sometimes it just gets suppressed.
0: But not not many have that appear in the way that it did to you, almost a physical manifestation.
1: Yeah, I remember looking through the wall of this one of our, our batch and I was wide awake and I could see this queer coming up the hill saying, Oh, I'll come to pick you up. I was out of there. <laughs> I tried to wake everyone in the batch up and nobody could wake up. It was like they were in a deep sleep. So I spent about three times running around the house trying to wake the old man up. Yeah, so it was. And how old were you again? I was about 14, I think, at that time. So I always thought that uh, a tohunga had come out and gave us the blessing and it would be stopped. But he just came out and he had a talk with the old lady and he said, Oh, a cowboy. Uh, they'll learn about the other side of life. And that's all he said, he had a cup of tea and went home. (laughs) And I thought all this time that, oh, that's, I'm right. You're right. Yeah. And then I went to the carving school and it happened a few times, but the old lady said, oh, if it happens, just go and stand in a cold shower until it disappears. Still happen? Uh, not now. When did it stop? Um, about the third year into the carving when I learned the job I had to do. So, you know, whakauru, you know, you know, you talk about this tapu thing, but it's about taking uh, tūpuna from yeah. over there and putting it into a living object over here, which is Raku. you know what I mean? And that's the, the tapu nature of whakauru.
0: And that's a point I want to pick up on yeah. because I want to ask you, when most of us see Raku what do you see? But let me just plant that seed and come back to it Uh, because there's another point I want to pick up on about being guided. People are guided. Someone called it the serendipity of longitude where things happen and you're guided into situations and circumstances and things just naturally happen. Do do you believe that is what occurred with you, that you were guided there?
1: Well, I think that there's – I think everyone has this creative ability and once their creative ability starts um, interacting with the world around them, then things happen, if you know what I mean. So the, these new students that I'm teaching, uh, I'm trying to teach them that. Look at their taiyao tā, and look at the world around them and then figure out what the images are that they can see in the fuqairo, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It does to a certain degree. You have to remember that some of Te present company included, um, don't possess the creative skill that you have. <laughs> <laughs> never have yeah. and probably never will. Um, but I think I understand the sentiment. Yeah. Um, but what, I, what I'm struck by is the active part that your tupuna played and making sure, maybe that's not the right way to put this actually, but making sure you ended up in the right place, if you know what I mean.
1: I think uh, for for a while, when I first went into the carving school, I thought, oh, well, I'll do these three years and then I'll join the Air Force, which is what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a pilot of all things. But after three years, I had mates, you know, and there was a whole new whanau
0: in Rotorua in the Institute. Okay. And so I stayed. I, I will come to the Institute. Why wanting to be a pilot?
1: I was good in the military. So we had military cadets at school and, uh, all I had to do was do a month's training and I'd enter the Air Force as a flight Lieutenant. And they were going to send me to England for fighter pilot. I think at this time there was only one Maori jet fighter pilot, which was Baden Pere ah. from down Rongo I think he was the only Maori jet fighter pilot. And they wanted a pinup boy, I think, at the time.
0: So you're going to go, you're talking about the RAF. Yeah,
1: oh, the, well, New Zealand Air Force was going to send me over there for training.
0: As a part of the RA, RAF? Yeah, okay. was. Holy heck.
1: Because mm. I don't think they were capable over here at the time.
0: Yeah, I, I believe you're right. The only other one I can think of was uh, um, uh, Sunny, and they made a documentary about a uh, uh, fighter pilot World War II who was part of the Great Escape. Uh, the documentary is called Arara and I've just forgotten his name. But apparently, he was a, he was a fighter pilot, and so, he got captured. So one of those uncles
1: that I was talking about, yeah. he was in the RAF in the Second World War. He
0: <laughs> Jim Kihi, he was in the Royal Air Force. Yeah. And did you take that as a sign, potentially that was a bit of a blessing to say the RAF, the, becoming a pilot might be the right call.
1: Well, I kind of liked the the way the military operated. You know, there was a structure, there was discipline. Uh-huh. At home, I was just a hotutu. You know, just always, <laughs> not much of a hotutu, but when when I had nothing to do, I was a hotutu, uh-huh. really. So every time I see young ones playing up, I go, oh, yeah. That, that's
0: me. Scroll, yeah, <laughs> scroll back. Can't really say anything. Well, the, the other thing I hear a lot of is that's a Maui trait. Exactly. Like exactly. You inherit that.
1: So you know when I'm talking about everyone has this thing. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So so how do we identify that skill, the thing that you talk about? How do we identify that now? I try and watch uh, my
1: mokapunas. So I got a great granddaughter. I try and look at her and go, "Hmm, who's that? You know,
0: that's an interesting way you put it. Who's that? Mm. Not not. I wonder what that will yeah, be. Yeah. But, but who's that?
1: Yeah. I always look at people and um, look at their names and I said, no, I wonder if they're going to turn out like their tupuna, you know. And it's interesting you know, because of the Real and, you know, the revival of the Real and all the names that are being flown around, whether they're going to either end up like their tupuna or the, the names are too big for them to carry and it destroys them. You know, there's a there's a whole opposite end of the spectrum. When you start giving these big names and then it weighs the the kid down. If you understand?
0: Yeah, no, I do. Do do you worry about that?
1: Well, I worry about it when you do carving. When you do carving, the same effect. That's why people pay for their mistakes when they do stuff that they shouldn't. Carve a tūpuna and the tūpuna comes alive and then, whoa, Mm. you know.
0: Has that happened to you?
1: No. Oh. But it happens. If you scroll back, you see all of this stuff that goes, hey, Warren, wāi and you go, oh.
0: I wonder if also this has got some, you, we're talking about names now, mm. and yes, I know you told me your you, where the James name yeah. comes from and that beautiful name of your of your papa. But there's also a little bit about the Coupe name that comes to mind with me, knowing what Coupe did, Navigator. Yep. Yep. Waka maker? Yep. Builder? Carver? Yep. Whether there's a little bit of that serendipity thing going on there too.
1: Well, um, I was talking to Hemi. uh, Edwards. Hemi Edward. Edward, yeah. And we were talking about Kupi and I looked at him and I said, hmm. And he said, hmm, what? And I said, Kupi was a mean navigator, but he also did some really, you know, I mean, there were some sacrifices. Every time he did things, he had to sacrifice someone to get from place point A to point B. And I said, you know, that's part of the other side of the coin that we don't really talk about.
0: Why don't we talk about it, James?
1: Uh, people get mataku scared, you know. But, I mean, yeah, life is uh, like uh, white and black. You have to talk about both sides of it. You can't just talk about the light,
0: you know. Are we able to have those conversations in a safe way though, do you think?
1: Well, you can if you cut through all the rubbish, a lot of rubbish around, you know. I mean, if you go through the Pākeh education system, you end up with this kind of thing attached to what you've learned, and you head off down this road, and then you kind of realise, oh, I'm lost somewhere. Mm. You know? I mean, you see it all over the place. And so I've never been to a, I went to high school because I had to, but after that, that was it. So I had to do this guy for his master's degree and they rang up and said, oh, we need your qualifications. And I said, "House 40 meeting houses? <laughs> and they said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so they break their own rules, yeah. you know, when they, when they have to.
0: I think they call that recognition of prior learning, don't they? <laughs> or, or real life oh, experience. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow, this is, this is a fascinating conversation. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're talking about because when you start learning a lot of these things about our traditional quarter, toriho, yes. and yep. and things like that, you have to be cognizant yes. of the flip side. Yes, is, is what exactly. You're, is what you're talking about. Yep. But do we still have the capability and capacity to be able to have those deep conversations on that other side?
1: I think, you know, in the, in the creative space you can, you can keep going backwards and forwards and just showing them the dark side and go back, dark side, go back, this is what can happen. And you just keep going like that, backwards and forwards. And you're <laughs> trying to teach people uh, stuff. It's not always uh, lights and bells. You have to always show them the the bad side of things.
0: Were you, yeah, I know. We talked about, as I said, the manifestations that became apparent yeah. to you when you were younger. But when you went to the carving school for the first time, were you were were you aware that that's what you were going to have to learn, or did no? It just come no, up? all that stuff
1: uh, was because of what happened when I was young. Yeah, that all came later, okay. As I as I started to carve. That, and nobody taught me
0: that. It just arrived. Yeah. So let's talk about then, yeah. that first intake. 1967? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep, the first intake. How many of
1: you are there? Seven. Seven. So they tried to pick uh, from each iwi at the time mm. that they thought that needed help. Mm. Do you
0: remember the first day? Yep. What happened? So we hopped on a bus,
1: they showed it, gave us instructions. We all stayed at the Tanga Hostel and uh, we hopped off this bus and we walked down the road and we kept walking and we started walking into the scrub and you said, that's funny. So we walked back. The Institute looked like a motel and we actually walked past it. <laughs> 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 so we walked in and we said, oh, there it is. And of course they were waiting for us and they said, oh, we're these young fellow? we had gone past down the Hemel Gorge. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> it was funny, <laughs> and I think uh, when we walked in, uh, John said, um, "Whatever I teach you, you teach others," which is yeah. I think it was the only intake he did it to, was to make sure that you teach others, I guess.
0: And was there a shake of hands, or just uh, no, it was just it understood so, enough yeah, that
1: that's yeah, what you were gonna do? Yeah.
0: yeah. What was going on at New um, Zealand Māori Arts and Crafts Institute in 1967? Why, why did that first intake come about?
1: Well, uh, I think the, uh, they came to the sudden realisation that all the people that went through the first school in 1926 and subsequent, you know, students all began to die mm. and there were no replacements. And they suddenly realised if they didn't restart the teaching of kairu, it would die. And that's why it started, really. Again, it was part of Apirana Ngata's sort of kopapa. really. They just tweaked a few things and added a few things that we would make souvenirs and, you know, make money. And so the government started it again.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I should have asked you this before I got into it, but could you actually carve?
1: No. (laughs) I couldn't even draw. Really? In fact, uh, you know, if I never had an iPad, I'd... Still, would struggle to draw. No, yeah, yeah. But I know how to shape. I know what things feel like. I know how to what pahars and pati should feel like. And I, you know, I don't need to draw things.
0: Well, well hang on. how did you know that? Like, how do you know that
1: if you? Yeah, well, you you know, you make hundreds over the time. Oh yeah. You know, and so you you kind of get the feel of things. And di- people have different feels. So when you're making a a weapon for a big guy, you make it big because yeah, that's what he likes. You know, that's instinct. That's his kaha, really. You always make
0: big things for big guys. Hey. <laughs> this, is, hmm. this is fascinating, I have to say. Um, but you actually hadn't carved anything before you went in? No, 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 no. no. None of us. D- did you know, did you think, no, you could? no. We're just, what? yeah,
1: just straight out of the, straight out of the blocks. Here's a block of wood. We go, Phew. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's actually, um, you know, like it's become part of this, uh, arty realm, but it's actually not. It's quite actually, actually hard job to do, hard on the body, hard on the tinana when you're doing a meeting house. It's not that easy, you know, I don't know why people want to do it, but they do. And you've got to get into the right frame of mind, and you've got to understand what you're there to do. So, you know, as a carver, you learn that uh, your first responsibility is to the the marae that hires you, to the people that belong to that Marae, to the Marae committee, oh. and to make sure that their hopes and dreams come to life. Uh, that's I, your job.
0: And I do, I do want to get into that because mm. it's it's um, the the transference. And the transportation of thought and the esoteric into the concrete yeah, yeah, from the abstract. I want to talk about that process and how you do that. But, but before I get there, there's a block of wood you've never carved before and you get asked to do what with it?
1: Uh, Well, we had to do tickle tickles because we never had any chisels. So at the time when the school started, there was a big six months, um, union strike in England. So all our chisels were on a ship in England, heading for New Zealand, but- Couldn't get off the wall. Not yet. okay. So we were using John's chisels. And of course, you know, we didn't know how to use chisels. We didn't, and we were bashing them around and he was, you know, about three months in, he said, right, no chisels. You know, so we just sat around and we just talked, you know, did a bit of tukutuku, did a bit of this, did a bit of that, but- pretty much waiting for our chisels to turn up. So, you know, it wasn't like it was a fairy tale start to the (laughs) institute. It was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, waiting for something to happen.
0: And this is true for all seven of you? Yes. Yeah. Did, did, had anyone carved? No, no. Holy heck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The the reason, now, and I don't mean to appear to be so um, blown away by this, but you think of some of the others in the intake, you know, I've, We've got a revered person in the north (laughs) was part of that intake, as you know. And um, and, and you talked about those manifestations earlier, and it seems that you were just born for that and ready to go on day one. But that's not the case at all.
1: No. Oh, I wanted to, uh, you know, was 16 years old. What what did you do at 16?
0: I'd rather not say publicly.
1: (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) hey. You're 16 years old and you're with other 16 year olds, 17 year olds, and you're all Hojutsu, you know, and you're out in the world, away from milking cows, away from your parents. So, you know, it's, it's not like you're, you want to be a carver. Yeah. Carving is a means to, to, for your, uh, to feed you and house you, but it wasn't like it was your dream. Mm. It was like, I better not fail. You know, I think the old man said, Yeah, you better finish this. Don't come home till you finish (laughs) it. (laughs) And it it was the same for all of us. Like there was a weight of responsibility from the iwi. And you were aware of that expectation? Oh, yeah, all of us. We were all told, You're here for your iwi, not for you.
0: And of course, by by John, we're talking about John Taylor. John John Taylor. yeah. Yeah. Did he ever show any kind of, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Exasperation at... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know,
1: no, no, he'd, he'd get frustrated, yeah. really frustrated uh, about um, things. And if he got really frustrated, he'd just uh, smash a piece. If it was rubbish, he'd just smash it and just said, get another one and just walk back into the office. And start again. Start again. So what you did was when one piece smashes, you all go, hmm, better not go there. <laughs> And everybody sort of just. And that happened to everybody. It wasn't. I well, see. it usually happened to one person. It only took one person. Yeah, and so you all learned. Yeah. Well, I better not make that mistake.
0: H- how long um, in before you realized you could do this? And there was a bit of a. So
1: it was a few years in. So we're doing Tatu in uh, Rotorua. Oh, yes. And we're all carving away there. And uh, we're just carving off photographs. And. Uh, we couldn't get it because uh, we have done East Coast stuff all the time, so it gets nice and rounded and stuff like that. Mātātu isn't like that. Mātātu is totally different. And uh, I didn't realise that uh, we were carving away there, and one of the boys came over and said, oh, are you in a race with those guys over there? And I said, who? He said, all of those ones over there are racing you. And I said, why are they racing me? They said, oh, you're the fastest in the school. And I said, really? And I said, are they racing me? And so it was all on here. Yeah. So I did a popo in three and a half days. Wow. From start to finish Yeah. And so they said, oh, he can't do it again. So bang, bang, to another one. Yeah, yeah, and and, one. yeah, yeah, and just kept going. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, um, once you got the idea about Mata for khairu you could do it really quickly.
0: But but is that implies that yeah, yeah that's in your head in your
1: yeah yeah you have an image in your head you know exactly um, the levels that you need to get to and how to find the shortcuts to get there.
0: How does how does it come in here though? Like what that's a bit I'm trying to understand. And because
1: I'm, because you you learn all the technical details when you're training, how to design, how to do this, and you learn how to do everything properly. So you have all these technical skills. You just don't know how to apply them to anything until somebody shows you a photograph and says like this, and you go, oh, that's what we do, and you suddenly realise that you can do a whole lot of stuff, you know. But you, it, it's about getting your technical capability up and running, yeah, so that you have the ability to use it in the way it's intended to be used, I yeah. guess.
0: Hmm. And sorry, how many years in from day one is this before that's that's when you're, you've got that clarity of year, thought and assuredness year, of mind? Year,
1: year four, year five. Wow. It takes a while. It takes a while because you're you're encompassed in a tourist organisation. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of tourism going on. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on, not necessarily whare nui. And then all of a sudden Hone Waititi was being carved. Then all of a sudden we had all of these meeting houses that we were doing all in, you know, for a period of about 10 years, everyone decided, oh, let's get our houses done. So you learned a lot of stuff in that 10 year period, I guess. And all the students who went through in that 10 year period from 1970 to 1980,
0: they learned a lot. Mm. Wow. I, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was a three year course. It is a three year course. It is a three year course.
1: But Part of the problem with the three-year course is that when the tribe sent uh, us there, they had no uh, um, job at home for us to go back to. It was like, oh, you go there. And yeah. and so we stayed at the institute. They kept us on at the institute because they didn't want to waste what we already knew.
0: Now, see, that's commendable. Yeah. Thank so, goodness they did that. So at one point there,
1: we had about 26 graduates and all together?
0: All together. All carving at the same
1: yeah. time? Yeah. Wow. And so you could spread it out. It's like that Matatini Maho. So you had the first, second and third intakes plus the graduates and three months to do it. And you just farm it out to each, you know, each group that's mm-hmm. capable of doing certain things and you just farm it out and say, do
0: this. And you get it done. <laughs> What's it like when something like Matatua opens and you see it?
1: Actually, we weren't there because I think uh, there was a – John died. Ah. Yeah. John died before the opening, I think. Yeah. I woke up one morning and it was on the radio. I'd seen him the night before. I'd gone in to see him and had a talk with him. I said, Oh, why are you in here so long? He said, I just got something on my chest. And I said, Really? You know, he didn't look anything different from what he is when I first saw him. But yeah, the next morning I woke up.
0: Ummate. Hmm. They do talk about, um, yeah, yep.
1: Well, that's it. He talked about it too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he talked about it. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so maybe not mātātua, but, you know, you go into a marae and you see what you've done. I mean, what's that like? It must be an amazing feeling. The, the last one I did was waititi.
1: So waititi, they didn't want to dismantle the house, and so we painted all the popo. All the popo were painted. One of the hardest things to do is when you do a fāre is all the people of the marae, you know, they are all there and they go, okay, who's up up is going into this house and there's a clash. I mean, you can feel it and there's a uh, clash amongst themselves. And so you're stuck there and you have to try and talk them through the process of, you know, how it's done and blah, blah, blah. And then one of the, one of the riddles they gave me was this guy got burnt in his house and he, everyone else, everyone managed to escape except him. So I said to them, okay, all the to panels are to be black. And white. Wow. All the weavers jumped up and down. Oh. So we had a quick hui. They rang me up. So I had to go for this quick hui at waited <laughs> Tea. And we're sitting there and they say, uh, they're talking about the colours they were going to use. And I said, I thought you said that this guy got burnt in the house. And they said, Oh, yeah. And I said, oh, So the colour should be black. And they kind of all looked at one another. <laughs> and so what you have to do is try and talk them into seeing sense, you know, in a way, because you can see it and you can see it in your mind and you know, what you want them to do is see it, but they don't because all their up gets in the road and all their politics gets in the road. And, you know, you're trying to uh, talk them through the process of uh, trying to make it easy for their mokopunus to understand the house mm. and how it's laid out and all the tupunas that are in there. Mm. And you're trying to do all of these things for them while they're arguing amongst themselves. And so part of the job is once you get the okay, you go for it and you don't stop. Mm. And sooner or later they start walking in and having a look at the whare and you go, Oh, we like this whare now. You know, they're really proud of their house Mm. and I'm really proud of them, you know, for sticking to their guns, especially the trustees, you know, every man and his dog is throwing stones at them, you know, and you have to try and coach them through that process of uh, fending off, and every house is the same, every hapu is the same. They'll always argue about whakapapa. Mm. I always found out that if you do a, a whare is to look at the whenua first, don't include tupuna, tell me about your mountains, your rivers, all of this. And they start looking and they said, oh, where's our tupuna? And I said, oh, when you have all that in place, then the tupuna's arrive." And so it gives them a structure to think things through, a
0: process. So talking about the tūpuna then, what was the whakaero that showed you or created the pathway that led to the point at which those tūpuna who were coming to visit you, if I can put it in that way, suddenly stopped? And and was do you, was that? Do you think the the blessing part where you said you're on the right path now? What
1: to Well, I think it was the fact that I could um, I could get out of bed, even though I was sick, walk along a corridor and stand under a shower, and they kind of knew that. Oh well, waste of time us hanging around this fellow because he's he knows what to do now. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, and because it kind of it transformed itself into. I used to have weird dreams and I used to kind of really wake up shaking with these weird dreams and it was just a matter of trying to figure out what the dream was, you know, and just, I rang, uh, I had this dream and I saw everyone up home at uh, Urupa and I arrived late so I stood down the bottom and they were walking down and I started counting everyone, the old man, the old lady, my aunties and, and I wasn't till I was in the pub after the tangi. Uh, My auntie had died, and it wasn't until after the tangi and I was in the pub with my uncles, I remembered I didn't see her come down the hill. And I said, no. They looked at me and said, oh, what? And I said, oh, I never saw Auntie Ruby come down the hill in my dream. And they looked at me and said, take your beer and go. (laughs) 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 So it's... (laughs)
0: Kind of like um, yeah, but uh, but I I now understand why you can do what you do so well. Yeah, I now get it because for most of us, we look at a rako and we see a rako, or we might see the rako and thought, oh yeah, that rako was the rako that my tupuna may have sat under. You know, it was there when my tupuna was there, kind of thing. When it comes to transforming something that is a replication, reflection of a tupuna you can automatically see that or see what they... Well, actually, I didn't really understand
1: it. And then I saw this program. It was Hunting the White Wolf, I think it was called. And this guy sent up this um, drone, heat-seeking drone in the middle of winter to try and catch this wolf. And when he went up, all the trees were red. They were alive, like literally like uh, blood flowing up these... Uh, Pine trees. And I looked at it and I said, That's what I'm doing. I'm taking a tupuna from way back over there yeah. and I'm putting it into this living thing over here. And I said, Far out. <laughs> Far you know, out. Hey. All right. And my, all you have to do is watch this program and you see the trees come alive.
0: And can can so you, I, even before the process, because there is a long process to go through hmm. to, you know, the process you go through to take that largo? Yeah. And that kind of thing. But can you can you see already what that arco is going to look like at that point that you've seen it? Yeah, yep.
1: that? so you can, uh, yeah, if they give you a tūpuna and you go, hmm. Because a lot of those people have got carry names that describe them. And you look at them like Kahumata hey, eh? And all of those guys, they uh, look, look like um, Tamate Kapua, uh, Kahumata Momoi, and who's the other ones? Um, what's the tūpuna? That other tupuna, they all look like uh, bird beaks, like big noses. And so you have a look at Pukaki, got this huge nose and a big head. And it's a reflection of his tupuna. It's a reflection of where he's come from. It's it's his DNA. So when you're looking at whukaira, a piece of wood, it's not a piece of wood. It's uh, the DNA that he's left behind or somebody's put into a raco for you to see and find out information about them. Yeah. And so when I look at carvings, I look at them and go, hmm. And you try and find their uh, living descendants because you'll see a copy of them around, <laughs> of all these guys who descend from them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's interesting how uh, life um, is reflected in your poe that you have, you know.
0: Is it art, sorry, is it life imitating art or art imitating life?
1: I, or have, b- no, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> 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 That's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, um, I think that we, somewhere along the line, we've lost our um, lost our ability to um, really think about our history, think about our whakapapa and how, um, think about our nomadic way that we used to live and how we used to connect every year by following the food, uh, food, food chains and the rivers and connect up with your family. Now we all live in these little quarter acre sections and, you know, we kind of get lost in this big white world. Mm. Yet the marae and the whare is there to phew, put it all together. And, you know, what you're trying to do is trying to make it as easy as possible for young ones to read. That's this, that's this, and you try and um, set out the whare like a book, mm. pages of a book from the new part to the old part, and you just walk.
0: Okay, so let, let me take an example then, um, living one for me. Hopefully the audience will excuse this of me for doing this, but um, let's take that uefatipu that you yeah, carved yeah. for mm. us at mahu yeah. Mahuruhure. In all its intricacy yep. and ornateness, yep. You can see that, and because you can't draw, you can't draw it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> You can see that as you've got that arc yeah. already, in in that detail, or is that a matter of the process coming well, to being and, yeah, yeah. and into fruition? It and then you add kind the of
1: evolves as you go along. You, you know go go what along. you what should be there, what should be there. You don't know how the configuration happens, but you know it should be there, and you have tried to put everything into one pot, You know a lot of history into one post. So I think um, I had a meeting with Red and it was interesting. You know, the thing about doing uh, carvings like that is you get to learn someone else's history and you get to understand who they are, where they're from, and that knowledge that they have, you know, it was interesting. For me, the the pay was meeting him and getting that history. That was interesting. You know, and I've known Christine and them for a long time. So it was good helping them out. Uh, we went there when that party was first being built. In actual fact, I got off and I started taking photographs of the builders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, you know, send your old pose down. I mean, she had these old pose that yeah, her yeah. dad had yeah, done. Dad, yeah. And I said, I'll oh, well, send them down. We'll do them. I mean... <laughs>
0: So if I I can come back to the point, the part that freaks me out is, yes, you've got your plan, you can see, you know, the the rough shape and guide, but you're still figuring it out as you're going. Yeah. See, most of us, you know most people can't do that, right? oh I think people can imagine.
1: I mean, if I look at the the cameraman here, hey, they look at uh, light and shadow. I mean, that's looking at Kehu as an stuff like that, it's no different. It's just a different way of different lens that you look through. So we all look at things differently, but we all look at it the same. I mean, uh, carving is about contrast between, uh, the night and the day, you know, it's about how you throw shadows. And that's what that po is about is how you throw shadows on one piece of wood.
0: Can you feel the weight of the responsibility of a, of a certain piece? Uh, you know, let's say, funny uh, uh, do, do you feel the weight of the responsibility of all those people connected, and not just that, but all those future generations? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that's your
0: job. That's your job. But h- how? Do but you,
1: you don't. You don't. It's not a weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. um it's like a privilege
0: how do you carry that uh
1: Oh, you have a tonguey every now and again when you think about stuff. But, uh, tangi is good sometimes, helps heal your waira, I guess.
0: Mm. Mm. It's, um, You know, it's just come to me the fact that all those years, James, you know, all those years at at Arts and Crafts Institute, how many pieces, how how many have you done? Do you even know?
1: No. But what I enjoy the most is that the people who have come through there and the people I've helped teach are all out there in Teo Māori doing their thing and which is a good thing for the future. Yeah. That's what I like about it. That's why I still do it. You know, I'm up here teaching uh, two students from Ngāti Fato and one from Ngāti Kuri. But it's that ongoing thing that you need to um, push the, 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 the talent out to where it belongs, out into these communities, you yeah. know, up north into the kaipara, all of those houses that need doing. I mean, you know.
0: What's the one thing that every student must have for you to be able to, for you to want to teach them?
1: Oh, they need to have a passion, eh? Oh. They need to have passion about, you know, doing this thing. And I keep telling them, I said, I don't think this is easy. This is a hard job. So I have this um, one chisel challenge. They're only allowed to use one chisel and they've got to produce a feku with one chisel. It takes them about two months. Wow. But it's not about the fact that they do a feku. The fact that they have to persevere and they have to have patience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They can't if they throw the chisels around, you know that they're not gonna last. But they it just shows you if they've got patience or not. That's all. That's why I do it. Just to, yeah.
0: And no matter where they're from. No matter where they're from. Or what their previous experience might be. Yeah. They just got to
1: park that all on the side. I prefer that people um, um, don't have the experience, Hmm. like me. Start again, you know, start from scratch. Start from from scratch. Easier to teach. Easier to teach if they don't have any preconceived ideas about Fukado.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of in my in my mind and I'm trying and, and I'm and I'm worried that we're keeping you for a long time, but there's so much more to ask you. Um when did you know you could teach? Um, did, did, did someone ever say? No,
1: no, no. You just, um, when the new students come in and they need help, you just walk over and say, like this, just show them. And then you suddenly realize that you're a teacher. But There's no booklet to it. It's like this is how you do things.
0: Yeah. It was never coming to any official. No, there's, no,
1: there, there's no booklet on it. <laughs> So, you know, pōkāura is about sound and rhythm. And so you have to, um, your eyes, your ears and your hands have to be in, you know, uh, what do they call it when it's all together? Synchronised. Synchronised. Everything has to be synchronised. So when you go on holiday, everything desynchronizes. So when the students used to come back and it used to take them about two weeks for them to get into the hanger things because of that synchronicity that needs to happen, and it's all in your mind and your ears. You kind of you can tell people what people are doing just by listening to the sound of their their pa- tukituki.
0: Oh, I see. I was yeah. going to say, forgive my ignorance, but what's the ears got to do with it? But yeah. you, you can hear it. You can hear it. What exactly what they're doing? You can
1: <laughs> tell if they're struggling or not. Um, so the faster they tap, they're going around in a little tight circle, the slower they tap, the bigger circles. And you can tell, in actual fact, yeah, if you do close up photographs of carvings, you can tell what, uh, one of these old crows, what his mood was, just by the marks he leaves behind. Really? Yeah. So even- I go, you know, if, I only, I only figured it out by the way I feel when yeah. I'm looking at it and I go,
0: hmm.
1: And so you look at it and you go, oh, okay.
0: So say, for instance, the hoki at te papa.
1: Yeah. So I said to Carl and said, if you get me close-up photographs, I can tell you what mood Rukupo was it eh? And you could? Yeah. Sh- Just by looking at the marks. Kira <laughs> So, you know, when when you have these marks, they like this. Uh, they're all close together. Uh, it means your, your mind is synchronised, everything is focused. Uh, but when they're wider and wider apart and they jump like that, means something's going on. Wow. There's something going on in the background, not necessarily with the whakaira, but uh, exterior from the house. And
0: that covers life. Well, it
1: could be, yeah, it could be uh, war, it could be anything that he's thinking about while he's doing this study. So you kind of have to match what was going on externally with what he's
0: thinking. How easy is it, James, to, to, to stop the thinking? And the noise, and just, and just try and be high? Or, or well, is that just
1: yeah. not possible? Oh, I, I, yeah, I... You, you can, once you get into that Into the zone, rhythm and in the... Into yeah. the zone. Once you get into the zone, that's right. As long as there's nothing outside the door yeah. happening. I mean, when you get... That's why they used to carve away from everyone else, yeah. so they could focus entirely on the house. But if there's trouble out, out the door and one of the carvers is involved in their trouble, he'll bring it into the house Mm. and it'll start to affect everyone else. It's like the wairua travels around and gives everybody a bash. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you won't do? Is there anything you haven't done?
1: I haven't taught a woman, mainly because uh, I've seen what it does when women have picked up chisels and uh, the stuff that's happened. Afterwards, and you go, I don't want to be be responsible for any of that, you know. And so I I said to them, I said, oh, well, whoever wants to do that, do that. But I won't.
0: Yeah. Am I allowed to ask what happens?
1: Uh, Broken marriages, suicides, all sorts of stuff. Mm. And yet... There were women that did moko. In actual fact, some of these women, you know, they they had to run and hide, especially in Te Arawa when Te Arawa decided to be part of the crown. Some of these tattooists, because of that um, Tohunga Suppression Act, they had to leave, go somewhere out with their craft. So there were women tattooists. So, yeah. <laughs> But I was just thinking about, um, you know, the woman and about how you take this tūpuna and this wairua over here, and then you put it into this tree. And I'm going, ooh, hey. And I'm going, oh, maybe that's part of that problem, you know. Maybe the tūpuna doesn't want a woman handling them. I don't know. It's one of those things. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I won't find out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> what, what do you think that, If she were alive What do you think your mum would say About all this year These years commitment To People would say preserving identity well, I'm not sure if that's the right phrase I'm trying to think
1: Oh of yep That's part of it It's just Preserving the identity of them um, yeah. And the creative arts The creative space that they have I mean you know in terms of faikorero, in terms of all of those things, waiata, it's all part of that creative space. Yeah. How you speak on a marae, how you do this, how you do that, and we've kind of lost touch with that. How you manaki people, yeah. you know, that's all part of the creative space. That's what they were fighting for. Yeah. I think originally they they were fighting and protesting to, um, you know, not the They were trying to make the the government uh, embarrassed because yeah. they weren't. Uh, you know, dealing with their native population. And I think that was one of the main drivers was just let's embarrass these fellows, drag them to the table, you know, Mm. and I think that was part of that struggle. So, you know, in terms of the old lady, I think I'm just part of that. That job is still not finished. No. I remember having a cup of tea with her one night and I was looking at her and she was kind of like, a, I said, what's wrong with you? And she said, oh, I feel anxious. And I said, for who? And I said, not for you, Phyllis. You were brought up in a Pākeh world. You know how to survive in it. I said, but for my Mokopunas and their children. You know, she was thinking that far ahead down, wow. the, down the track. And I think, you know, I'm part of that journey for her, really, hmm. is to try and help other iwi reconnect with their creative spaces, uh, fix up their bodies. I mean, we have a legacy all around this country and they're all falling down. We need to fix them up.
0: Yeah. Is that why you decided after all these years to retire from Ngā But
1: Well, then, you because you're locked into one place. You uh, need to go out there and you need to take it out to where it belongs, out onto the marae's out into the iwi where it belongs and try and um, re-instigate a a local learning process rather than a generic process that we seem to be stuck in, Mm. you know. Every part of New Zealand is different. The kōrero is different. Your ahu and your shape of your whakauru should be different, you know. It should be different, but it's not.
0: Mm. Because I I read a report when you announced uh, that you were leaving, and it said that you were hanging up the toki, and I thought to myself, that's never happening.
1: No. (laughs) I I was leaving because there was no real big projects there Mm. to do, left to do, and it was the last project that was there, and I said, oh, well, now's the time to finish, uh, you know, there, and go home. Well, I was going home, and then I got sidetracked up to Tamaki, you know, because Ngati Patu, I mean, it's it needs help, so that's why I'm here, really, get them started, get them
0: going. Could you ever imagine a time where you won't be carving? Um, not really.
1: But part of the, part of is um Papa and how you mm. know and the Purako and yeah. all of this stuff. That's part of Fakiru. So you kind of there's a whole lot of stuff that you need to delve into, more tier and all of these things that you can take information from. And it's yeah. all of that part of that learning for our new students. They need to learn how to do that. Uh, at the moment, they just learn technical capability, but they need to learn all of this other stuff. Uh, connect back to their venue, to their people. Mm. So that's part of that journey.
0: Mm. And that'll be ongoing. Oh, that'll that'll be ongoing, yeah. That might not ever end.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be ongoing for a long time, Mm. yeah. I mean, they need to because at the moment we're stuck in cities, going nowhere
0: fast, yeah. You said you were meant to be going home because that's what I read. Oh, well, I'll still go home. So
1: uh, they're the only people who have never asked me to carve a house. Is that right? Yep. Never. And I'm sitting here going, hmm, <laughs> I'll wait till they ring up. <laughs> in the meantime, I'll keep doing other places.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of, of how I try and condense four different thoughts into one to in the hope that I can get it all out there. But here, here's the next part I'll ask them. Um, are you glad you didn't become a pilot now? (laughs) Actually, it
1: was funny. Uh, we, after COVID, um, and we got back to work and we were all sort of hanging around with all the young ones, young students. And I said, oh, you know, I was going to become a pilot. And, and they all looked at me and said, really? And I said, yep, never wanted to become a carver. And I said, but you know, now that I think about it, I would have been an out of work Air New Zealand pilot, (laughs) but no, look at me, I'm still carving. (laughs) <laughs> but it's taken me years to find that out. You know, hey, it's one of those. Yeah,
0: yeah. You you might have you might have actually been an officer in the RAF and therefore you know yeah. <laughs> commanding people yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. actually being being in the plane. But but nevertheless, um, but a part of me also wants to go back to. I'll put it this way: the Tupuna infused direction. Which leads you down this this pathway. Do you still feel the the touch of that on life sometimes?
1: Uh, Helping guide? But, you know, when you're – so here's the thing. So you're dealing with whakapapa all the time, eh? Ah. So it doesn't matter which tūpuna. You know what I mean? Whatever tūpuna you're with is the one you're with. Hmm. It doesn't have to be yours. Someone else's. But all you're trying to do is get them here back. There. No. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's, yeah. And when you're talking about those crowers that used to come, it's got nothing to do with them. Yeah. It's about the people I'm looking after now. And they know that. They're not in that age group. They've got photographs of them. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Kare, James, oh. ia, ia, ia tawa, ia tawa Um You spoke, you mentioned the word privilege before. I mean, the thing about these corridors, is there's a, an immense privilege in being able to talk with people like yourself and hear the life experience and the different experiences um, that people have but I, I wanted to say that it's a privilege not just to be able to talk to you but also to have to behold the work that you've done and see it and yes touch it but but feel it and what it means and what it reflects and what it represents and I hope that that continues to be the case for a long time to come thank you for talking to us <laughs> no sweat anytime anytime Kää아아 me hinjoitkin. Älä kun
1: lehimä niin haluat olla